there was this energy on the evening. Um, it was really hard to explain, but you know, there's something about getting lots of incredible women together and and curating a, a night together. It was just, it went so smoothly and the vibe was just incredible. Today on Dirty Linen, we are having our penultimate discussion with the Pippet Girl Gang. I'm actually going to be really sorry to wrap this series up tomorrow um, because I've enjoyed it so much. It's been so such rich chats, such amazing women. Uh, today we are talking to another one. Her name is Gabby Fury. She is a sommelier. She's uh, consulting. She's working at Har- at Harvest, and she lives just outside of Lismore. Gabby, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you for having me, Denny. I'm thrilled to be talking to you. Um, I feel like we should start with the immediate situation that's um, that everyone in the Northern Rivers is surrounded by and dealing with, and that's the floods. Uh, tell me how things have been for you over the past few weeks. Um, the floods are just um, incredibly devastating for our entire region. Um, I am most of the time a stay-at-home mum with a 14, 14-month-old uh, little girl. So I was very isolated from the event, not being able to get out there and um, help the mud army, um, but I'm I was sort of blocked off from the whole um, the whole region because I was flooded in. Um, my husband James, who also works at Harvest, couldn't get home for a couple of days. Um, but Lismore is ten minutes from my house, and uh, yeah, the in, the entire city is just wiped out, um, which is is really just mind blowing knowing that the city hub that you know we would visit weekly is just completely um you know just non-existent anymore so many homes lost um so many businesses completely lost as well um it's it's something that you just can't really grapple with um trying to get your head around the thought of losing everything um yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The enormity of it just, I guess, whacks me again and again. And that's at the at this distance. I mean, have you been down to Lismore and you know had a look around and just tried to get your head around it? I personally haven't been um, down to Lismore. My husband has. Um, he had about five days um, where he was in lending a hand. Um, I I personally haven't gone down. I've just been trying to help in other ways. Um, I just fear that it sounds it sounds strange, but I just fear that I would become overwhelmed with um, grief for people, um, and so I'm just trying to stay focused on doing other things to help the greater the greater good, and um, like organising fundraisers and things like that. So I'm just sort of staying focused on that. Um, but a lot of my friends are in in the action, getting really dirty and helping the community and they're sharing, um, you know, their stories with me and it's it's really confronting. Mm. I mean, yeah, look, there are so many ways to, to help and to be part of the recovery and I think self-preservation is, is really important. It's like, you, yeah, you're not of... You're not of any use if if you're overwhelmed by the situation and I guess frozen by it, which um, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I guess you don't know how you'll respond until you're thrown into a situation like that. But some of the images, just you know, that I've seen of Lismore, it just looks like the whole town is out on the street, you know, to be trucked away. Um, yeah, yeah, things absolutely. Like 
Yeah, it's just watching books be thrown out of the top floor of the library windows was an image that really gripped me. Like I just thought mm-hmm. it was just so, so sad and so telling. Yeah, I mean, I take Frida to that library and we sit on the second level and we read books and um, seeing just all of those books just being tossed out the window and, and just, you know, the gravity of this situation is just very overwhelming um, and being knowing that I'm just so close to it as well. And um, Elise Derwin, who's an incredible photographer up here, who's a friend and lives down the road, she was in there taking photos and she was sharing all those photos and it was just I felt like I was getting a snapshot in real time through her of what it actually looked like out there but it's yeah I I will never truly understand because I didn't experience it firsthand. Oh I mean there's so many ways to understand things I don't yeah I don't think you yeah you certainly don't need to diminish the impact or the the effect that's going to have on your life, like to have some the place that you know and you go to, and that's you know it's so beautiful. Taking little kids to libraries, I remember that so fondly. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just really sad. Um, so you know, you mentioned you're doing working on a fundraiser. I mean, what is the feeling in the community? Obviously, there's there's the shock and and the and the trauma, but is you know is that being sort of channeled into fundraising? Does it feel like the community is is able to pull together? Hundred percent. Um, it's it's mind blowing how incredible this community is, and the the greater hospitality community in particular. I'm noticing the wine community around Australia are just banding together and doing what they can. It's it's really just incredible. I'm coming on board to organise a fundraiser um, at Milk and Honey, which is in Mullumbimby, um, and it's a pop up um, with some amazing chefs and um, incredible bartenders and front of house heavyweights up here. And I've come on board to do the wine for the event and I've been absolutely blown away with how many people want to get on board to help us and um, donate an incredible wine for us to serve on the evening. Um, And we're going to be donating all of our um, proceeds to revive the Northern Rivers. So, um, yeah, I'm just like blown away with who wants to come on board. Everybody is just 100% on board and wanting to do what they can. And it's it's really incredible. And I feel like just when a community is really, you would think that they were just so burnt out from fires and then two years of a pandemic and multiple lockdowns and businesses being challenged months on end and now devastating floods and still the reserve of energy and the passion for community is just so incredible and so inspiring. And that's something that I've been able to help with, which has been amazing for me. Um, having a, having a little girl, I've been able to, you know, get on the phone and get on email and, and try and do my bit. And I think it's going to be a really incredible night next week. Oh, I just can, oh, yeah, it's amazing just to hear the energy in your voice, which I guess is fueled by all those, you know, the energy of all these people that want to help. That's really so heartening and, and beautiful. Uh, I, I can't, yeah, just can't imagine what a beautiful night it will be. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be incredible. We've got Lily Pegas and Jay from Pippet. We've got David Asnar from Together Lab um, and some incredible girls from Harvest on the floor. Um, so it's going to be a pretty epic night with some beautiful food, four-course dinner. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just really excited to see how much we can help and um, 
you know, do our bit for the community. We've talked a bit during this mini-series about the place of hospitality when communities are struggling. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think hospitality is a particularly rich forum for being able to rally, you know, support and good feelings? 100%. I think people that get involved um, with hospitality are, you know, community is such an important part of their lives and hospitality is somewhere where people can retreat, where people can um, go to. And I feel like, you know, hospitality, people are leaders in the community and um, they have a role to play in, um, you know, giving giving people a platform where they can, um, you know, retreat or find solace or have a conversation or um, just have that steadfast feeling of community to go to. Well, tell us about you and hospitality, Gabby. Like, um, how did you get into the industry? What drew you in and what's your path been? Um, Pretty unconventional, actually. I was um, a musician for many years and touring and I walked into a cocktail bar in Newtown in Sydney and um, sat up at the bar and met my now husband, James Fury. And, you know, through him, I started to go to restaurants and lots of bars and seeing this level of service that I had never experienced before and just being absolutely intoxicated with this world of you know, curating an experience for customers. And I was just like, I want to be a part of that. I need this in my life. And so I was friends with um, Phoebe from Stambouli on Enmore Road in Sydney. And she was like, just come in on Friday night and just do a little, do a little shift and see what you think. And I was like, okay. And um, so, yeah, I came on board at Stambouli as a runner um and then i just yeah i was hooked instantly and just worked really hard and then eventually went into management roles and um yeah i was a manager at continental deli in newtown which is a venue i will always hold very close in my heart and yeah then i've moved up here um a couple of years ago uh, to the northern rivers and yeah was in management roles and focusing on wine as well so um, it's only been a, a few years, but it's um, been a pretty amazing journey. It's so – what an amazing story. What kind of musician are you? Um, so I sing and I play um, piano and guitar, um, but I was like in a folk band for years and then I was doing a lot of session musician um, stuff and touring all over the place and um, my, I have a solo um, project called Maples, which is like ambient pop. Uh, a bit of electronic. So I'm one of those people that's just, you know, been in lots of different, um, been through different lots of genres and, um, yeah, so that's me. I love it. (laughs) What similarities and differences can you point out between, you know, touring musicians, I guess particularly or or performing as a musician and working front of house in hospitality? Oh, you have to be a people person. Well, look, oh, actually, that's that's not true. I think, you you know, you are very um, connected to people. Like being a musician on stage, uh, people, they, they want to they hear your story. You know, they, they want to hear um, what you have to say. And 
being front of house, you also have that moment with people that you can have a really amazing connection with them too. So it's, it's an interaction that is very unconventional, um, but there's those similarities where you can really connect with people that you normally wouldn't ever connect with um, through different mediums, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, it feels like they're both energy exchanges. Um, the form is quite different. I guess the balance is different as well. Um, yeah, but there the does seem to be... I mean, you know, a lot of people think of restaurants as, you know, there's the theatre of the restaurant, you know, there is that kind of performative aspect. A hundred percent. And what about, what is it about wine that particularly drew you in? With wine, it was, I was instantly hooked because I started to learn about winemakers and regions and the magic of the history of winemaking. And I just was like, I want to tell as many people about this as possible. So it became a huge part of my service um, working in the hospitality industry. And then I just had to get more and more into it. So what is it? I mean, if I come in and, you know, want to order some wine, like, you know, what sort of som are you? How are you going to talk to me about wine? I'm just, uh, you know, all about what the customer feels like like what you know I'll be like what do you what do you feel like what's your day been like what are you needing what do you like generally um I just kind of you know curate it that way as opposed to coming in hot and being like oh I've got this new bottle of something that's really special it's 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 really about tailoring taste and um curating the experience in a sensitive way I believe. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that to, as a as a potential customer, that sounds yeah really beautiful and just exactly how I'd love to be looked after. Um, do you reckon um, you can can you pick the kind of wine that people like? Just you know, do you get a vibe? Um, I've been told that I'm very good at that, <laughs> which is like you know a relief. Um, I you know I think it's just really important to be a listener and not to just kind of, you know, go on like a crazy tangent about something magical that really appeals to you. I think it's really important that, you know, everybody has their own um, experience and their own story with wine. And I think it's really about listening and, and being sensitive. And do you think that um, the wine world is is a friendly place for women, uh, also for pregnant women, also for women who are mothers? Um, you know, it's, it has traditionally been a very male-dominated industry. Where do you think things are at and how have you found it personally? I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm coming on board in recent years um, and I was pregnant two years ago and, you know, I've only ever had a very supportive um, experience as, you know, a woman coming in, um, you know, being married and then having a baby. And my introduction back into the wine world was the pop-up Pippet event, um, which was an incredible introduction back into the workplace for me. Um, you know, the winemakers and Yen and Ben from Pippet and Alice uh, were just so supportive and really wanted to create, you know, 
an easy space for me to step back into and it was yeah it was really incredible what's it what did it feel like like what are some of the were you nervous like did were there challenges what was it like um the the challenges were um getting wine to the venue in time just because um it was at that time where we had another spike in numbers with COVID and, um, you know, winemakers and, and couriers were like sort of struggling to get their their wines to restaurants, especially in the Northern Rivers. Um, that was probably the greatest challenge. Um, and then just trying to coordinate um, with my husband's schedule um, and our 14-month-old, <laughs> um, that was the only challenge. But other than that, it was just super fun um, it was, it was, there was this energy on the evening. Um, it was really hard to explain, but you know, there's something about getting lots of incredible women together and, and curating a, a night together. It was just, it went so smoothly and the vibe was just incredible. Mm, oh, just so special. I can't wait for there to be one that I can go to. Um, you work one day a week on the floor at Harvest. Can you tell us about that restaurant? And also, you know, what is it like to come back to work part-time? Do you think hospitality is doing all right at that kind of thing? Do you think it could do better? I think the hospitality community community is doing the best that they can currently. Um, we have a real staff shortage crisis especially in the Northern Rivers. Um, so I haven't had anything but extreme support from Harvest, um, especially because, you know, they, they've just given me um, whatever day works around James and I. Incredible. Yeah. You can work for an hour a week. Sure, quick, come in. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're like, we'll take you for whatever we can get you, um, which has been, you know, um, so lovely. Um, I I really haven't had anything other than support um, coming back into the, the workplace. I feel like if I wanted to work a crazy amount of hours, I would have that. If I didn't want to work at all, you know, and wanted to come in and do like some consulting here and there, there's that option too. I feel like um, yeah, the, the leaders in the community are, are very supportive of women coming back in. It's, it is very difficult though if you wanted to put your child into daycare because with hospitality hours, of course, they're very unconventional and, you know, it's not nine to, a nine-to-five job. Um, so you are relying on your spouse or other family to be around. Um, that's, that's a challenge as well. Yeah, I think especially in the regions where, you know, some people will have their family around but a lot of people won't. I guess it's the same in cities. Um, I wonder if that is a particular challenge. Oh, definitely. Um, I've spoken with Yen um, from Pippet about this a lot and um, you know, they have some relatives that are able to help out here and there with their little girl. Um, but it, it is definitely, you know, a lot of um, juggling things around and, and trying to make it work. Um, you know, up here in the Northern Rivers, everything is quite spread out. So, you know, my husband are always driving sort of long distances to try and sort of swap cars and meet you know, meet each other at certain places and, um, yeah, just be prepared. But um, we'll we'll get there, I think. Yeah. I mean, do you imagine, like, is Frida growing up as a restaurant baby? Like, is she, um, yeah, is she in the restaurant with you sometimes? Is that possible? How do you think things will play out there? 
Yeah, she's she's definitely on the hip a lot um, coming in, <laughs> waving to all the chefs and, you know, she definitely is familiar with Harvest and loves their croissants and, you know, she's definitely a social social butterfly, so which is which is great. We um you know, we, we, we hope that she's comfortable in a very social, um, com- you know, sort of social environment because um, James and I are very, you know, out and about. Yeah, love it. Um, you mentioned when we were speaking before that you drove to Sydney at 38 weeks pregnant to do something particular. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, um, I uh, drove back to Sydney, um, which is about a nine-hour drive. It's not too bad. Um, to do my um, Weset 3. Um, Explain what that is for, for people who don't know. Um, yeah, Wine and Spirits Education Trust is one of uh, the ways that you can further your learning as a wine person. Um, it's a very sort of in-depth um, exam uh, where there's a tasting and then there's um, some sort of short and long answer um, questions. And, um, yeah, it's quite a challenging exam. You have to be very focused and do a lot of study leading up to it. Um, so I, yeah, finished up at work with Ray's. I was a manager at Ray's when I was pregnant and finished up and crammed for a couple of weeks and then drove to Sydney and, um yeah, the day before the exam, I thought I was having um, some contractions. So that was a bit oh interesting, <laughs> being nine hours from home and, um, yeah, a little bit uh, unsure of how things were going to pan out. But um, I made it back in time and Frida came on her due date. So, <laughs> Oh, very good, Frida. And how'd you go in the exam? Yeah, no, very, very good. I, was, I passed and I was very relieved to hear that um, because, yeah, I, I – um, didn't want to sit it again, just in, I just couldn't imagine being able to sit an exam like that with a little baby. So I was very relieved. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, some people's palates change in pregnancy. Did you find any difference um, with wine tasting? Yeah. I found the tasting incredibly difficult because all the nuances were so highlighted um, being pregnant um, that I was so worried that I was going to you know, see the wines in a completely different light. And so I was really lucky that um, a couple of weeks previous to that, I had some tastings with Mike Benny and, you know, just trying to help calibrate my palate so I could just get on board and make sure I wasn't, you know, saying that a wine had this fruit when it had something completely different. So it was, um, you know, I had to be sort of really careful with that because, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you, you smell things at this heightened level and, and things are just really vibrant or, you know, just really intense when, you know, to someone who's not pregnant, they just smell a certain way. So, yeah, I was very, um, you know, cautious of that. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, it's very instructive, isn't it? Because, I mean, it gives you a real insight into the way that, you know, one person might taste wine quite differently from another just in in normal circumstances, take pregnancy out of it. It's really interesting. It also makes me think of, you know, COVID and the fact that it can, you know, reduce some people's ability to taste and smell and then it sort of comes back sometimes in quite, you know, in in stages or in different ways. So it's, yeah, taste, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Oh, it's so, it's so fascinating, um, you know, just sitting around a table and, and talking about wine, which is what, you know, sommeliers and wine people do a lot, um, just to sort of see how people perceive wine. Um, 
yeah, it's, you know, some people can taste things completely, you know, differently to others. So that's, that's a really interesting element to the experience of wine as well. Yeah. It's, um, I'm very much pondering this now. It's really, yeah, it's like there's, I mean, I know that, you know, the sommeliers that I love the best will be, you know, very much along the lines of, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just whether you like it, but I guess, um, yeah, if if we're all tasting things so differently, um, yeah, what is it that we're gathering around? I th- I think we're with with wine. I'm always sort of quick to say notes that I that I experience, and and you know, customers will either agree or or not agree, and I think it is down to whether whether it's enjoyable, whether that's something that. Um, you know, you actually feel like drinking. Um, just being open about the wine making behind the wine, and whether or not you're going to detect certain notes of this, or whether there's oak, or you know, um, I think it's just that you know the story about the wine making, and whether or not you know people will actually enjoy that style. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, you know, it is there is so much of those those narratives around the winemakers and the journey of the wine, which I suppose you know, no matter how the wine tastes to you, you can still connect with those elements. Yeah, exactly, totally. Mm, love it, um, Gabby. I've just yeah loved talking to you. I'm just wondering, is there if the, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on um, in our conversation? Um, mm, I don't think so. I think. Um, yeah, just talking about coming back into the workforce as a woman and, um, you know, the supportive hospitality community up here and, um, yeah, just the floods and how it's been affected and, yeah, the fundraiser next week. So I think we've touched on everything that's sort of happening with, with me at the moment. <laughs> Great. Um, well, thank you so much, Gabby, for chatting to us today on Dirty Linen and being part of this epic Pippet Girl Gang series. Um, yeah, it's been really fantastic to have you as part of it. Good luck with the fundraiser. Um, and yeah, can't wait to see you up um, in the Northern Rivers before too long. Thank you, Denny. Can't wait to see you up here. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is...